attention to what they said. He paid no attention to what they said when they said, Your daughter's dead. Don't trouble Jesus anymore. The message Bible said Jesus overheard what they were talking about and said to the leader, Don't listen to them. Just trust me. The Amplified Version said, Overhearing but ignoring what they said. Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear. Only keep on believing. I want to preach to you for a few minutes today when Jesus doesn't pay attention. When Jesus doesn't pay attention. Everybody say, thank the Lord for the Word. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Thank you so much. There are times when you ought to pay attention. Right now is a good example of that. In fact, there are times that you must pay attention. Somebody said one time, but I'm too poor to pay attention. Greenpeace is an organization that is made up of people who believe in, uh, how can I say this gently and kindly, who support the environment. They're, they're global. They, they want the world, the earth to be taken care of. Uh, they believe in global warming and protecting certain animals and that kind of thing. Um, personally, all in all, I believe it's an organization where those who work there need to go get a real job. Anyway, I'm just saying that in passing. But uh, Greenpeace had or has a flagship named Rainbow Warrior 2 that traveled the world's waterways trying to protect the water. In October of 2005, while they were studying the effects of global warming on a fragile underwater coral reef in the Philippines, the ship accidentally ran aground on the reef, causing it significant damage. And they were fined $6,800 for the damage they did to that coral reef. Point is, someone should have been paying attention. Also in the same year of 2005, Bob Schwartz, a crime advisor to the governor of New Mexico, authored a law that would allow felony charges to be brought against the owner of any dangerous dog involved in a vicious attack. A few months later, after the law was passed, Schwartz himself was in his backyard when his own dog attacked him, biting both of his arms and sending him to the hospital. He recovered, but was not arrested. But the point is, he should have been paying a little closer attention. It was supposed to be a celebration marking the end of a fire awareness week in a town in southern Japan. But the festivities were cut short when the two-story fire station where the event was being held at caught on fire. Everyone made it out um, alive, of course, and, but the station was severely damaged. The cause of the fire was a gas tank that had been improperly attached to a barbecue grill the firefighters were using to cook dinner. One of the firefighters said, It was very embarrassing that this should happen to people whose job it is to go out and put out fires. Brad. 
the fire department probably should have been paying a little closer attention. But just, listen to pastor, but just as there are times that we ought to pay attention and we do not, there are other times when we pay attention that we should not. I'm going to say that again. Just as there are times that we ought to pay attention and we do not, there are other times when we pay attention and we should not. One of the most important things in living a victorious life for Jesus is learning how to ignore some things or not pay attention to some things. The Bible teaches in Ephesians chapter 4, neither give place to the devil. James said in his epistle, Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. This is one of the most important lessons Jesus learned all throughout his ministry. There are always voices clamoring for his attention. Multitudes pushed him during his earthly ministry toward the throne in Israel. He could not afford to pay attention to those voices. Others encouraged him to take it by sword. But he knew if you present the sword, if you live by the sword, you'll perish by the sword. Some even warned him about going to Jerusalem, that he would be crucified. But he paid no attention to them. Jesus learned when not to pay attention. In our scripture setting today, it talks about a man named Jairus. Jairus was a good man. He was the leader of the synagogue. In the days of Jesus, he was one of the most important men in that community. The synagogue was the center of religion. It was the center of education, leadership, social activities, and so on. But in addition, the leader of the synagogue was the senior religious leader of the community. The highest ranking professor, if you will. The mayor, the best known citizen, all rolled into one. But the situation that was going on at his house with his daughter literally turned Jairus into a beggar. Jairus was a desperate man that day with a very sick child. He pleads with Jesus and informs him of the gravity of the situation. Will you come to my house? Would you please come heal my daughter? The Bible said when Jesus hears of the plight of his daughter, he turns towards Jairus' house of suffering. But in the meantime, a miracle interrupts Jesus' progress en route to Jairus' house. There are some elements of the story that makes it even more of a dilemma. You have to understand, when Jairus asked Jesus to come to his house, Jairus had to know that Jesus was surrounded by a huge crowd of people. No doubt in that crowd was a frantic father, was a sick woman, a dying daughter, a huge crowd. 
and a group of very impatient disciples. All of these people, at the same time, were pushing toward a solution to their own personal problems. The father wants healing for his child. The sick woman wants relief from her pain. The daughter wants her symptoms to subside. The crowd is filled with various and overwhelming needs. The disciples just simply want to hurry up and get the trip over with. Then to top off all this noise, to top off all this calamity, and all of this stuff going on around Jesus and Jairus, to top it all off, here come some messengers from Jairus' house. These people are officious. They are meddlesome. And they are marked by a very dark intent and motive. It's almost like they are delighting in telling Jesus the news that they are about to tell him. I read this story this past week of one of our pastor's own experiences. He said at one time he worked with a doctor who had a bedside manner that was almost sadistic. He said, I heard him tell patients more than once, I'm sorry you have cancer and you're going to die. No explanation, no preface to prepare them, simply the bad news and very little hope to be extended to them. More than once, he said, I saw patients and their family members almost wilt when he gave them this very gloomy information and a literal death sentence. He even went on to say there was a few whose family members would leap up and tell the doctor, just get out of the room, just get out of here. In fact, he said he knew of one situation where it almost degenerated into a physical confrontation. But this is the way oftentimes bearers of gloom and doom come into the life of Jesus in the face of this bad news. But according to Goodspeed Translation and even others, the Bible said and indicated that when Jesus heard that news, he turned to Jairus and essentially said, don't pay attention to that. Don't listen to that. When they came to say, your daughter's dead, there's no point in you troubling Jesus anymore about coming to your house. Don't bother him with your stuff anymore Let him go ahead and take care of the woman with the issue of blood and all these other people around him. But no need for him to come anymore to your house. Jesus looks at Jairus and to me makes a pretty ridiculous statement. Don't listen to them. You don't have to pay attention to that. I don't know how you cannot pay attention to that. Your daughter just died, man. She's like 12 years old and she just died. How, Jesus, do you want me to ignore that? You could probably see momentarily that in the face of Jairus, all hope dies. It died with his daughter. But there was something that happened in the face of this bad news. Again, Jesus said, pay no attention to what they said. Jesus prevailed. Because he refused to pay attention to the prophets of gloom and doom. There are some valuable lessons to be learned 
from this miracle in the book of Mark. There are some incredible lessons that come to us from looking at this miracle. First of all, every quest has its protest. Every quest will have its protest. Anytime there is a high quest for something noble, something great, something with substance, you can count on having to meet up with the prophets of doom and gloom. The Bible is filled with examples of men and women who had to overcome adversity anytime they began to build a dream, a desire, a hope on a promise that God had made to them. It does not matter if you are building your life or building a church. Adversity and trial, conflict, the prophets of gloom and doom will surface. No matter how, how, no matter who you are, no matter how long you live, when you start trying to reconstruct and rebuild something spiritual in your life, you will be forced to face it with struggle. Sometimes when you look at the challenges that are around us, you may even echo the question of Sanballat in the Bible when he said, How can a revival come from a pile of trash? Will there be any reconstruction from the rubbish? How can riches come from refuse? When we look at the trash pile of what used to be a wall around Jerusalem and what used to be a temple in Jerusalem, something on the inside shrinks back and asks, how in this world can anything constructive come out of this? But is it possible, is it possible at all for anything good to come to pass out of this? Let me remind somebody with all I have this morning that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible impossible with God. Just be alert to the fact that you will have to contend with many voices in your head, many voices in your life, and many voices in your community. Some of those voices will come from the past. Oh yes, they will. You're going to do this again. You're going to try this again. You're going to try the church thing again. You're going to try the marriage thing again. You're going to try to make something good out of your kids. You're going to try all that again. The voices from the past will come. The, the, some will come from the failures of yesterday. Some will come from the doubts of tomorrow. Some will come from well-intentioned and practical people. Some will come from those who have become satisfied with the status quo. The cynical voices also make their contribution. The crooked will never be straight, they say. It will always be like this, they say. You're too much like your daddy or your mother. Or you cannot change. You've tried too hard for that before. You've never finished what you started. You'll never make it if you have too much bad blood in you. And you've been hurt or you've been burned. All of these voices go off in your head. The second lesson we learn from this miracle is listening to the wrong voices can be dangerous. If you choose to listen, there'll be a a tendency, a propensity to become half-hearted or even give up entirely. In James chapter 1 verse 8, he said, a double-minded man is unstable 
all of his ways. Half-hearted is half-starved. A man becomes half-hearted with a heart half-full of the Spirit of God. Others give up entirely. There's a tragedy in listening to the wrong voice. There's a tragedy in paying attention to the wrong voices. When you quit, you leave the vision. When you quit, you leave the quest. When you quit, you leave your dreams unmanned. One man said one time, the devil has my church, so I'm not going anymore. But another very fervent, robust robust child of God from the same church heard him say that and said, he may have your seat because you're never in it, but he hasn't gotten mine yet. And so every time the church doors are open, I'm going to be there. Hallelujah to God. I'm convinced that part of the reason that this miracle is recorded such as it is in the Bible is to very briefly give us a small picture of an aspect of spiritual warfare. If the devil can merely just get you to listen to his little voice of doubt and his promise of failure and his half-truth, much of his battle is won. Notice the pattern of this throughout Scripture. Watch how the devil uses words with those he is attacking. Jezebel's threat of death puts Elijah running from his monumental victory. Sennacherib's letter to Hezekiah put him into trembling fear. Even the serpent asked Eve in the very beginning, hath God said? The downfall literally starts with a voice. It begins with what you choose to listen to. I'm talking to somebody here this morning. I know it's Mother's Day, but there's people here today that have voices going off in your head that you need to learn how to ignore. There's some things you don't pay attention to. Listen to what the terrible tempter will say. Trouble not the master. There's no use in your praying anymore. Don't trouble Jesus about this anymore. Your problem is just too difficult. Don't trouble the master anymore. Jesus can't do anything for you. Anybody ever heard voices like that in your head? Trouble not the master. Your difficulty is too small to ask for a big God to take care of. Don't trouble Jesus. This is just a part of life, and it can't be changed. Don't talk to Jesus about this stuff. We are all filled with doubt as to what he can really do for us. Listening to the wrong voice can be hazardous to your spiritual health. This is what Jesus and Jairus had heard throughout the course of this miracle in the making. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the master? They wept and wailed greatly. There was a funeral dirge being played by the minstrels. They were making a great noise, the Bible said. And finally they laughed Jesus to scorn. That's the voices that Jesus and Jairus heard on the way to one of the most prolific miracles that happened in Jesus' ministry. Bringing it a little closer to home, I have to tell you to be extremely careful to the voices that you listen to when you're moving in the direction towards the greatest miracle that God wants to perform in your life. Get to church. Get to the house of God. Don't let something keep you out of a prayer meeting. Don't let something keep you out of Bible study.
Continue to move through the clutter of voices that sometimes will say, if they'd just stop all that chattering about apostolic doctrine. They're just a bunch of hypocrites down there. I learned a long time ago, I'd rather go to church with a hypocrite than to go to hell with one. And I don't care what church you go to, there's going to be hypocrisy in it. Well, if they'd just go see so-and-so and get them out there. It's all these voices... All they want done at that church is to just use people and make them work. If the church had a better youth program, anybody ever heard that before? If they didn't stand up all the time during the singing. I have to confess, it would be nice to go to camp meeting just one time when the guy sitting in front of me that's as big as a billboard on the side of the road would just keep seated for five minutes. And let's just enjoy what we're listening. I'm just being honest here today. I would like to say people have said, well, if the leadership was different, my response to that, if the followership was different. Is that a word, followership? I don't know if it is now, right? If so-and-so was in charge of such-and-such a committee, then I'd go. If there was not so much gossip going on and all of that kind of stuff, What is it that you hear in your ear? When you want to approach a healthy, vibrant, awesome relationship with God, when you need a miracle in your life, whatever it is, what do you hear going off in your head that precludes it from coming to pass? What's always interesting about this sort of thing is that I look around and see that there are many who are thriving. They're having great spiritual growth in their life. So how is it at the same church you have people thriving and doing amazing and you have others that are literally dying on the church pew? I'll tell you what the answer is very simple. It all depends on the voices that people listen to in their head. Again, Goodspeed said in his translation, but Jesus... Paid no attention to what they said. He paid no attention to what they said. He did not start going through all the Pentecostal calisthenics and postures. He just simply ignored it. He didn't address it. He didn't try to correct it. He didn't try to reorient them. He didn't preach them a sermon. He didn't teach them a Bible study. He ignored them. Can I be transparent again? I have three people that gave me permission. There's folks here today, I don't listen to you either. There's people here today, if I listen to you, we'd both walk around the block and jump off the bridge. I mean, uh, there are just some voices. Very, I'm very careful of this pastor. There are certain voices I listen to. And there are certain voices I don't. And there's people here thinking right now, I wonder if he listens to me. Think about what you say to me. And you can answer your own question. There comes times when you can't always pay attention to all the sad wails and all the gloom and doom and all the negative and all the despondent and all of that. And I love to try to minister to people, but after a while, I'm like, my word, man, you even think Jesus is a creep? 
there comes a point when you have to determine that I will not listen to all the mourners and bearers of bad news. You will lose your mind if you listen to every voice you hear. All the talking heads around you will stifle the miracle of God that is on His way to perform in your life. I would to God somebody would hear the Word of God today on our illustrious Mother's Day. You need a miracle more than you need lunch with your mama. Your family needs to be healed more than you need to kiss your mom on the cheek. I'm preaching to somebody today. You've allowed your head to be filled with voices and you're unhealthy spiritually and you've lost your way. But I'm here to tell you there's a Jesus that'll go home with you right now if you'll shut those voices down in your head. Listen to Pastor. Watch, watch, watch your screen. If Jesus was going to Jairus' house at his request, he very well could have turned around if Jairus had told him not to bother. This is the dilemma of our days. We stop Jesus just before he gets to our place of need. If Jairus had listened to the mourners and listened to all that funeral dirge that was going on, he could have very easily told Jesus, never mind, she's dead and it's hopeless. But he listened to Jesus over them. And I would to God if there's people here today, if you would just give God a chance. You know, I'm off my notes. God help you. But there's people that sit back at church and they sit here service after service, service after service, and they analyze and they analyze. I, I, I see people while I'm preaching like this morning and teaching, and they, they're sitting in their chair and they're just looking all around. And it's like they're watching that guy. I'm going to watch him. See, I knew he was a hypocrite. I knew, I knew, I know that. Ain't nothing real about that woman sitting over there. All that's a fake and a put on. And you start listening to that, and you start doing that. And you have come, you walked in the door with all these preconceived ideas about the Bible and about God and all that kind of stuff. And so when you're in here and the praise team's up here worshiping, you get those cold chills. You say, what was that? Oh, when? What was that? I mean, whoo, wow. What was that? I never felt anything like that before. And I've heard more than one person say that and say, man, something just got all over me today. And they got right to that point where Jesus says, I'm here, Doc. I'm here right now. We used to sing a song a hundred years ago. Jesus is here right now. Reach out and touch Him. This ain't a tomorrow thing. This ain't a next week thing. It's a right now thing. You want a miracle right now? You've got a right now Jesus. And He's standing right beside you. And He said, don't listen to that. Don't worry about that guy. Don't worry about that woman. Don't worry about what's going on. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Pay attention to me. Listen to what I'm saying. Pay attention to the Word of God and you'll see that God will go home with you and things will immediately get better in your life. Tune out the worthless. Tune in the worthy. Not only do we see Jesus refusing to listen to their voices, this is the part I like about the story. 
when he finally got to Jairus' house, he kicked all them people out. Get out. That wasn't even his house. But he just accepted divine authority and looked at those mourners and essentially said, Would you shut up for five minutes? And all you people in here crying and doing all that fake crying, I don't know how many of you know it, but back in those days if somebody died, they paid mourners. Like, my God, don't we have enough? There's there dime a dozen. <laughs> you need somebody to cry with. You can find somebody to cry, and boy, they'll get to crying, and they'll start telling you their story, and then you cry, and you tell them some more of your story, and they cry some more, and boy, we got people that can cry. You just don't believe how bad it's been in my life. And the other person says, that ain't nothing. Don't you appreciate that? I mean, you're Job, and you walk up to somebody, and you're crying. I've just lost everything. They say, that ain't nothing. I've lost more than you. I'm just going to say here in passing, that kind of stuff gets me tired real quick. After a while, you kick that junk out of your head and say, I'm still vertical. I'm still upright. I can still feel in my body. I'm not dead. I'm still standing up. I'm not six feet under the ground. I've got hope. (laughs) As I mentioned a couple of times ago, the fat lady hadn't sung yet. Whoever that is. The curtain hadn't dropped yet. If you can get Jesus in your house. Oh, God. Abraham listened to what was worthy. He was lured on by a promise that God made him. It looked as if he were not going, it was not going to come to pass. The years had turned him into an old man. But Paul gives us some insight into Abraham's secret in Romans chapter 4. And being not weak in faith, this had been going on for years, man. God made him a promise not last week, not last month, not last year. Years ago, those kind of promises that God made to people before I was born. But he considered not his own body now dead. You know what that means in kind of adult mature conversation? None of his body stuff worked anymore. It didn't work. Not only could Sarah not have a child, he couldn't father one. He didn't consider his own body. He tuned out those voices and said, God made me a promise. And I'm not looking at my body and my head and my brain to determine its fulfillment or not. The dude was a hundred. Brother Dave told me this morning, some of you know Sister Teeny Coon, Sister Teeny Williams. Yesterday she turned 98. And for all us people here today that feel old, go chat with her for a while. She can tell you about the time the locomotive was invented or something. 
I mean, she can tell you when time was invented. <laughs> I mean, she experienced the first sunset that ever was, you know, whatever. Abraham was old, man. That's what the Bible's insinuating. He was a hundred. And on top of that, he knew that Sarah's womb was dead. She was still breathing, but her reproductive parts were dead. Somebody gave a eulogy and preached a nice sermon, and they sang about eight songs and buried all that stuff. It's over. Y'all not hearing me today. I'm not preaching to be cute. I'm trying to tell somebody, you think it's over. You think it's over. And God has stood on your doorstep more than once wanting to come into your life and turn your life around and make something amazing out of it. But you start hearing these voices in your head. And right when he's got his hand on the doorknob, you tell him, don't worry about it. Go home. There should have been about ten people on your feet clapping your hands, helping me preach that point right there. It's Mother's Day, I get it. There's critical hours in every life. Almost every experience has its share of calamities and turning points. There are single moments and actions that act as rudders and steer us in the direction of the goal, or the direction of true spiritual success, or drastic misfortune. Somewhere between your desert and your promised land, there will seemingly be insurmountable odds and great barriers. But fight on. Struggle on. And allow God to see you through the difficulties. Keep walking with Jesus in the direction of the miraculous. Notice... One of the most powerful things about this miracle is that the voices that were troubling Jesus and Jairus would ultimately be thrown out. Jesus literally had as much as he could take with their innuendo and commanded that every voice of doubt be thrown out. Get out! This will happen in the course of every miracle that takes place in your life. You'll have to be able not to pay attention to the dissenting voices. But if you can ever get past those voices and into the house with Jesus, great victory always follows. Furthermore, this whole thing speaks of spiritual maturity. There will come a time in your life when you will find incredible focus and there will be very few voices that will ever strike you with that kind of fear again. Stand with me this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm concluding. I've heard stories. I want to be real careful here. We have a lot of guests. But I've heard stories about pastors fighting demons and all that. And I've never physically been in a fight with one. But I remember as a child and a teenager hearing those stories. And, and I've said, in my word, man, if a demon ever came in my room, I'd panic and ask Sister Murph, where you want another door in the house going outside? And I'll make you one. And after the first experience came, it was pretty nerve-wracking. But after it happened four or five times, the last time it happened, I looked up in the face of that thing and turned over and said, you're not bothering me tonight, I'm going to sleep. And I did. You reach a point where those voices get tossed out. 
And it's less doubt being replaced by more faith. It's what happens when Jesus comes to your house. Literally and figuratively. So here's how it went. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Jesus said, Why do you make this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleeping. Notice this. And they laughed him to scorn. Their hypocrite crying turned into mocking laughter. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered into the place where the damsel was lying. He took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha Kumai, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, Arise! And straightway, the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years old. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And every sense of the word was over. It was over. No hope. You hear me today? It was over. No hope. Don't trouble Jesus. There's people standing here today. You know who you are. You know who you are. Jesus has come to your doorstep many times. Figuratively, literally. Had his hand on your doorknob. The doorknob of your heart, if you will. The doorknob of your house. And said, buddy, there's a whole lot I could do for that marriage. There's a whole lot I could do for your kids. There's a whole lot I could do for your, the spiritual climate in your home. And with his hand on the door... You said, don't bother. Everybody around me is telling me it's no use. I've known people all of my life that have listened to that. And their lives ended up in shipwreck. They went ahead and got the divorce. They did. They went on ahead and gave up. And they quit the job and whatever else had happened. And their lives are shipwrecked. But there's people here today. There's a family here today. I'm not going to call their name. It was just about over. Everybody said, your marriage will never make it. That was over 10 years ago. Pastor and Sister Murph walked in their living room that night. And after talking with them for over an hour, I got on my knees in front of them and held their hands. And plead a blood covering on their house. They're here today. And so are most of their kids. You know what happened? They let Jesus in their house. When all the evidence and all the circumstance said, it'll never work. It's over. It's done. I know what I'm talking about here today. I've experienced it. Live it. Every day. I don't want to go a minute without Jesus in my life. So today, it's about 12 minutes after 12. Lunch is still okay. Everything's still good. Your plans are still working. But I want to give somebody an opportunity here today to take Jesus home with you. You need to. 
There's people here today whose spouse has been diagnosed with incurable emotional sickness, mental sickness. There's people here today suffering with terminal physical sickness. But you're still here. Still working. God is still alive and well. There's people here today that's got your mind on Mother's Day lunch. I get it. I'm not that naive. I'm not that stupid. I understand it. But if you could realize the true priority, that if you would let Jesus in today, and it'd take you about three to five minutes max. That's all it'll take. You'll leave here today with something on the inside of you that's life-changing. Tomorrow morning you'll wake up and go, huh, I don't feel all that stuff like I did yesterday. You know why? You've quieted the voices of doubt. This is one time when Jesus did not pay attention. He didn't listen to it. Neither should we. So as they begin to sing softly, if we could quickly just, just move up around the front today, everybody, all of our guests, everybody, I would like to give somebody an opportunity to say, hey, Jesus, it's not well with me today. It's not well with my family. Would you go home with me today? Would you go home with me today? It works, folks. Oh, yes, it does. It works. Everybody come. There's room. All of you that's coming, come on up. So make room for everybody. We're kind of full here today. So make room for everybody. But let's, Grace Church, help me. All of you Grace Church people, you know how this works. Y'all come praying. Y'all come praying. Y'all come with some faith believing. I want to see somebody push forward in their relationship with God. The ministry team is going to start going around and praying with people, and that's awesome. And I'll ask them to. I want them to. But if you need a touch from the Lord today, you're at the right place at the right time. You don't have to leave here today with nothing. You don't have to leave here today just saying, God, I appreciated the feeling, but I really don't believe it. Why don't somebody open your heart to the Lord today and say, God, come to my house. God, come to my house. Don't hesitate, folks. Don't hesitate to talk to the Lord today. Don't hesitate to reach out to the Lord today. It's okay to lift a hand heavenward and say, God, I need you today. It's okay to reach. It's okay to reach. Hallelujah. Why don't you pour out some praise? Go ahead and pour out a little praise to the Lord today. Talk to Him. Talk to Him. He's closer than you think. He's closer than you think. He's closer than you think. Talk to the Lord today. That's right. Go ahead. Talk to Him today. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Go ahead with your family around you right now. Just say yes to the Lord. With your family gathered around you right now, just reach heavenward. Come on, you can do this. You can do this. Yes, you can. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah to the Lord. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. That's right. That's right. Somebody's trying to break through. Somebody's trying to break through. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. While they sing, would you put your hand on somebody's shoulder close to you if it's appropriate? Let's pray for one another right now. All over the house today, would you pray for somebody right now close to you? I feel the presence of the Lord here today. I feel the presence of the Lord here today. Hallelujah. That's right. That's right.